How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Today we are having the interviews with both of the mayoral candidates. Really looking forward to today's show. I hope that all the listeners are too. But before we get to the interviews, let's talk about some of our sponsors. As we prepare for the uh, 2021 elections, Derek, we're reminded how nice a city that Hernando is. And if you're looking to buy or sell a home in Hernando or DeSoto County, the best team you can partner with is Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group possesses over 64 years of combined real estate experience, also have over 25,000 closings since 2009. They are ranked nationally as a top-performing real estate team. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available to you when you need them. They've been voted DeSoto's best realtor multiple times and currently right now are offering a free, no-obligation market analysis for your home. Again, that is a free, no-obligation market analysis to to learn the value of your home, maybe what your house can sell for or list for, just really can help educate you on the value of your home and what can be done now. If you're in the market to list your house, list it with Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can call them at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com for a free, no obligation market analysis. Our guest today joined us at the How to Barbecue Right Shop Studios. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics right here under the water tower. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's knives, rubs, cutting boards, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, or even some really cool high-end smokers, Malcolm's shop has what you need. If you've seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos on YouTube, you need to stop by and check out his How to Barbecue Right shop. You can give them a call at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. Better yet, just visit their shop 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics here in Hernando. Thank you to Team Couch of Birch Realty Group for being our presenting sponsor and How to Barbecue Right Shop for being our studio sponsor. Derek, just an exciting time on the UTW podcast, an opportunity to sit down with the two gentlemen vying for the position of CEO of Hernando. And actually, like we joked about on our show yesterday, it's the two gentlemen that were, have been CEO for the last 16 years, the two guys that have been mayor of Hernando as long as I've been here. So just an exciting time. We will be going with Chip Johnson first. Uh, Chip had the opportunity to come in uh, a little bit earlier than Tom uh, yesterday, so we had a great interview with him, and we will go to that interview now. This morning, we are welcomed by former mayor and current mayoral candidate, Chip Johnson. Good morning, Chip. Good morning. Glad that you could come in. We do appreciate your time to come in and sit down with the UTW podcast. And like we've done with all of the other candidates for the alderman position, we're going to let you tell us a little bit about you know where you're from and your work experience before becoming mayor the first time. Well, I'm very typical of many people in Hernando. I wasn't born here. I was raised in South Haven, and I went in the Navy straight out of high school, volunteered for the submarine service, did that during the Cold War. And when I came out of the submarine service in the Navy, I bought the business that I'd worked for when I was in high school. And I turned that small business into the franchisee of the year for our whole company. So I was pretty proud of that. And in the meantime, I decided I needed to move to Hernando. I saw Hernando as a gym, really. 
and I decided just to move down here and continue my career here. And I'd lived here about four years when my neighbors asked me to run for alderman. And I had never really considered that. I did run, and I ran against someone who had lived here their whole life, but I think I just outworked them. I knocked on a lot of doors, and I like to say I accidentally won that alderman race. Once I won that race, I obviously got involved in government, and I saw quite a few things that were happening or not happening. My good friend Scott Fernandez was on the Planning Commission, and he told me, he said, you know, the Planning Commission has approved some design standards, but the board would not take them up or pass them. So I took that on as a project, and it took me about a year to figure out how to get through the bureaucracy, but we got those design standards passed, and it was just in the nick of time, because right after that is when everything on the east side of the interstate developed. And if we had not had those design standards in place, we'd have concrete block buildings on that side of the interstate instead of the, the nice aesthetics that we have now. Then Ed Gale, our mayor at the time, who was a wonderful man, decided to retire. And I was encouraged by people to go ahead and run for mayor. And we were kind of at a crossroads in Hernando. And I thought it was just time to step up and do that. So I ran a very hard race. There were five of us in the race. Mike Riley and I ended up in a runoff. And after the dust settled, Mike Riley continued to be my police chief after I was mayor. So that, that's my history of how I got here. So you were in the su uh, submarine division there in the Navy. I was. I was on a submarine. This was the Cold War from 84 to 90. So right there near the end of the Cold War. And we were in the Northern Pacific um, making sure Russia was not doing bad things. Right. And sometimes we saw them doing things they weren't right. supposed to so do. So you've probably taken an interest in the, uh, the the boat being stuck in the in the canal here the last couple of weeks. Has been, that has been pretty interesting. Yeah. And what was really interesting to me is how one incident like that could cause billions of dollars in lost trade. Right. I think hundreds of ships have been waiting to go through by this one ship that was uh, blocked off by the wind or put into certain situations. So, I mean, you know about nautical things and obviously being on a submarine. So that was, I figured you probably paid attention to that fairly closely. So look, this is a really neat race. I mean, rarely do you get to have an opportunity where the two candidates that went toe-to-toe -to -toe four years ago have an opportunity to, to run for election again, opportunity to do the same campaign or different campaign, but run against each other four years later. Let's go back to the 2016 election. Tom Ferguson was the winner. Why do you think you lost that election? You know, I'd been in office for 12 years, and when you're in office that long, you have a lot of people you've had to say no to. So that always mounts up over time. But quite frankly, I think the biggest reason I lost is that I absolutely did not campaign. I was tired after 12 years of governing. I just kind of took the attitude that if the people want me to be mayor again, they'll vote. And quite frankly, it was the wrong attitude. In retrospect, looking back, I feel like I let the people down by not campaigning. By not campaigning, they didn't think there was much urgency, so they didn't go vote. So this year, I am turning that around and doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm actively campaigning, as most of you can see. I'm out knocking on doors every day, and, and that's the most fun part, getting to see the people, hearing face-to-face -face what their concerns are, and, and it energizes me as a candidate. Well, I think that when you uh, said that you know, last time that you kind of got tired, do you see yourself, you know, if you're elected this time, do you see yourself becoming tired uh, as mayor, or do you see yourself being re-energized and letting that carry you for another one, two, or three terms if the, the uh, voters were to decide that? I absolutely feel re-energized. It's been a good four years for me. I have met Christy, the love of my life, and so everything is wonderful in my private life. And she's a servant leader like I am, so I almost feel like I'm going to be entering the office with a partner that can help me. And I think it's just going to give me a better life balance. And I do know how to do things in the mayor's office. I know how to get things done. And I was doing 70-hour weeks before. And I think I'll do a little bit better at making a 
personal work balance and still be able to get the job done this time. As you said, you know kind of what the, the mayor is like or, or what it means to be mayor. And of course, the mayor is the CEO of the city. I mean, you do have a board that you work with. We know, but I hope the listeners know that the Hernando has a weak mayor, strong board as a type of, of city government that we have. And so you do have to have the board's buy-in or at least four of the seven members buy in in order to get things passed. We've been interviewing over the last six, seven weeks, the different candidates for those positions. And we're going to have at least five new aldermen or alderwomen uh, that will be part of this board. How do you think that's going to work with five new members if you're elected mayor? You know, what do you see? Because I think a lot of times when uh, the last time you were mayor, you had a lot of the aldermen pretty much were static. I think you had most of the same ones you were working with over your 12 years last time. Knowing you're going to have at least five new this time, what kind of dynamic does that bring to the board? And, and how do you see you how you see you working with them uh, if you're elected? I'm glad you asked that question because, quite frankly, I'm very excited that we're going to have a new, fresh set of ideas on the board. And it looks like many of these people are going to be younger, people with kids who are in the park system, in the ball programs. And I think it's going to help me because I'll have a board who probably buys into my stance on being a pro-parks mayor more than I have had in the past. Uh, It was not easy being a pro parks guy with the last board I worked with. Uh, Many of my ideas would be shot down. Uh, It was very interesting. I was known as the healthy mayor, but we, we weren't able to do many of the things we wanted to do. So I'm very excited about that. And on the flip side of it, I think these five new aldermen, and I'm trying to remember back to when I was alderman, all the things I was energized to do and excited to do. And then suddenly I hit a brick wall of bureaucracy. When I got in office, I didn't know how it worked, where the rules were, what was legal, what was not legal. And I think my experience as uh, four years in the alderman seat and 12 years as mayor, I think that's going to be needed by this new board so we can move forward with the agenda of the people and get it done quickly. And, and Derek, just to clarify to the podcast listeners, the saying weak mayor, strong board is, is simply kind of the style of, of government that is kind of set up uh, in, in Hernando, meaning uh, a mayor is, like we said, the CEO of the of the government, CEO of the city, uh, the figurehead that talks a lot of stuff, uh, talks about a lot of things, sets the agenda for the meeting, runs a meeting. But when it's all said and done, the aldermen, that group of seven, have a pretty powerful situation. That's absolutely true. Uh, the mayor cannot hire nor fire. So it's a big trick trying to run a company with 180 employees that know you can't fire them. So you have to be a strong leader and you have to convince the board of aldermen when you need to hire someone or when you need to fire them. And it doesn't always work exactly the way you want to, but a relationship with that board is crucial for certain. And it's, it's pretty interesting that this system of government goes back to reconstruction. You know, the northerners sent the people down here after the civil war and seated them as mayors. So at some point, the legislature got power back locally, and the legislature took the power away from the mayors and gave it to the aldermen. So this is an old system of government. And quite frankly, if you read the data on it, any city over 10,000 people should not be operating under this form of government. It's not the best form. It can be changed. The aldermen could vote to change it, or the people could vote to change it, but I don't see that happening. And I know how to work in this form of government, and we'll just do the best we can with it. Or your 12 years as mayor, were there multiple times where you brought something up or brought something to the board that was turned down and probably vice versa? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I brought lots of things to the board that were I thought were great ideas, and the board did not. Mayor Ferguson has had the same problems. Sure. It just happens in this form of government. And over, I think about 92% of the cities in Mississippi operate under this code charter form of government. So it, it's not uncommon. When you go to the Mississippi Municipal League, trainings that we go to. We learn a lot about how to operate the most effectively we can with this form of government. And it's just something we have to work in. Well, the mayor has several different departments.
departments. We set this up on our show that came out yesterday, the different departments, things were way we were going to break this interview down. And we started out with the police department. Talk to me a little bit about the police department and your vision for the police department over the next four years. So when I was in office, Mayor Riley retired, and I had the job of finding a new police chief. So we interviewed, and we sent out a request for people to apply, and the man that we ultimately hired was someone I had never met or even heard his name, but his resume was the best, and I think it was a good hire. Chief Warsham is doing a great job. We have four of our leadership who have been to the FBI Academy. So when he decides to retire, we have a chain of command who can move up the ladder now that are well-suited for it. So I think we have a very strong group of leaders in that department. The thing I think we are lacking is that we need to be adding more patrolmen. Chief Orsham had come to me with that request when I was still in office. And in the last year, we convinced the board to add four new patrol officers. And we had a plan to do two more each year after that. And since I left office, no new patrol officers have been added. Uh, We have added two school officers. Superintendent Corey Usselton is funding those school officers, which is great for the city of Fernando. But I think we really need to get a plan in place. And obviously, we're not going to be able to hire 10 or 12 or 20 officers at once. But we're going to have to work with the board to set a plan in place to add a certain number each year until we can get up to the numbers that we need. We know that we live very, very close to Memphis. And we see over 300 murders a year there. And we see on average in Hernando one or two every 10 years. And most of those are domestic. They're not things that make us feel unsafe as homeowners. And the reason that's like that is because of our police department. But as our population grows, common sense tells us it just takes more police officers to protect us. And we don't want to fall backwards. We want to keep moving forward and stay as safe as we are. How do you plan? What would be, I mean, if we're going to add two officers per year, there's a cost to that. Do you have a plan for how to pay for those things? This may be a longer answer. It's hard to have a plan right now because I don't know how much money the city has. Of course, when I decided to run, having been in government, I wanted to compare my city audits to the current city audits. So I asked to see the current city audits and there have only been two finished. So we don't know where we stand financially. I don't know. The citizens don't know. The mayor and board of aldermen can't know. So I did a public records request. When I left office, all the audits had been done on time. I did 12 of them on time and got them up to date. And when I left office, everything was clean and clear. And I left in July 1st. So three months later, that year ended. That's when they would start doing the 2017 audit. They didn't even hire an auditor for a year and three months after that. So our audits have been behind ever since. So we're only able to look at, you know, they did that one audit that really audited my last term and it came out as a clean audit. Then they've done one more audit. So that's all I can look at is fiscal year 18. And so when you can't look at audits, you don't know where the money is. So the other place to look is the city checkbook. It's called the revenue and expenditure report. So in January, I put in a request to the city clerk and said, I'd like to see the most current reconciled revenue and expenditure report. And at that time, she said it was the one ending June 30th of last year. And I thought, wow, that's pretty far behind on balancing the checkbook. So I've waited a couple of months, and as of March 29th, I got an update, and now they're just at the end of July. So two months later, we've only done one more month. So it seems like we're falling further and further behind. So quite frankly, I think we're going to have a lot of financial stuff to figure out when we get this done and I get in office. Having said that, once we figure out where the money is, we are going to have to figure out the revenue source. We have new businesses that have been coming in. We're getting more sales tax dollars in every year. I think we've had a record year this year with COVID. People are 
shopping and doing more home improvements, more houses are selling. So obviously we can find some efficiencies, cut things in the budget that we think may need to be cut. But of course the citizens are wanting more things added than cut. So it's, it's going to take a lot of work with the new board to figure out where the money is and where we're going to find the money for the things that the people want. Are audits called for by the, the board of aldermen or the mayor? I mean, how does that, the mayor, or is it, the mayor will find an auditor that he wants to work with understand. and try to convince the board to hire that okay. auditor. They changed firms when I left. Uh, Williams Pitts and Beer did it when I was there. I don't even know if they're in that business anymore of gotcha. doing city audits, but they have a professional company that does them. So the mayor convinces the board, and then the mayor has to supervise the staff to get the auditors to do what they're supposed to do. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And so the second one we're going to look at is the fire department. Kind of the same question. What do you see uh, for your vision for the fire department if elected for the next four years? I have always been really proud of our fire department. When I was alderman and mayor, we added two new stations, went from one to three. And so now we now have three engine companies. It's, it's pretty interesting to watch how our firemen work. When we get a new recruit in, they don't go straight to the academy. Uh, they go to work. And so our firefighters put them through their paces and train them. And we are known at the fire academy as having people in the top 10 almost every class. So Hernando has a really good reputation in the fire community. And while I was mayor, we were able to get our rating from a 7 down to a 5. And when you lower your rating, it means you're doing better. And it was a big deal for all the taxpayers. When we went to a 5, every property owner in Hernando that year got a decrease in their homeowner's insurance. And it's, it really makes a big difference. And our guys and girls are so trained that we can keep that rating. So they come to us every year and look at what we're doing, make sure our fire trucks are being maintained properly, make sure our people are trained, and we keep that rating. And sometimes they'll tell us, well, your ladder truck is getting too old. You're going to have to buy a new ladder truck. And you try to negotiate with them a little bit because ladder trucks a million dollars or more. But we need to keep funding the fire department. And quite frankly, I think they've done a good job of that in the last term. Uh, I do see that under Mayor Ferguson's leadership, they've added two fire trucks that the Fire Rating Bureau said they needed to. So we're able to keep that five fire rating. In the future, if we can find the funds, of course, we would like to lower that rating even more. It doesn't change homeowners' rates a whole lot when you lower it before five, but it does help the business owners have lower rates. So that's something we would have to weigh and see if it was worth adding all the extra expense because, quite frankly, we'd probably have to add a whole other engine company to get that rating down. But I'm very pleased with our fire department. I know they uh, installed the assistant chief as our chief, Marshall Berry. I hear he's doing a good job. So I think with the fire department, we need to just keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. And under the fire department is the ambulance. And, and I, I want to also give kudos to Mayor Ferguson for doing something that I tried to do and could not get done, quite frankly. And they have added a second ambulance. And our city needed that. And I'm glad we have it there. And we'll continue to fully staff that ambulance as well. Our next department to look at, CHIP, is going to be the Public Works Department. Public Works, I guess, consists of infrastructure, uh, utility. The water. The yeah, water, the, the, the water, and, and like that, that type of stuff. So uh, the Public Works Department, tell us a little bit about that, what you see over your next four years, should you be elected mayor. Tell us about the Public Works Department and your thoughts about that. Uh, I've always been pretty close with the Public Works Department. When I was in the Navy, I was actually a mechanic on the submarine. So I understand sewer and water because I was in charge of those things on our boat. And I've always taken a keen interest in that. I do know there have been, there's been a lot of turnover. Three different department heads 
in that department have left under the current administration. And we have a, a new person, Mr. Germany, who I hear is doing great work. So we need to work with him and make sure he has solid leadership underneath because he was moved up. We need, and, and we're such a big department now. You know, in the last four years, we have purchased the North Mississippi Utilities, which has really almost doubled the size of our public works department. So we need to give them the tools and the training they need. And, and that department also are the ones who patch our potholes. I know that's been a big bone of contention lately. There are proper ways to patch potholes. I don't know exactly what that is, but we need to get our, our workers trained to do it properly. And I think it could be as easy as just, we're a big enough city, we have enough miles of road, we probably need to have one crew that is dedicated to doing nothing but patching potholes, send them off for proper training so they're patched properly, they're not just throwing cold mix in a hole and hoping it works. We need to keep a list because we cut the streets a lot. That happens with old sewer and water. You have to cut the street, fix the leaks, and then it, sometimes it seems like we forget that there's just gravel in the, in the road there. So we need to keep an accurate list, get those patched timely. You have to leave the gravel for a, a few days, few weeks until it compacts. But we need to make sure we don't forget to repave those areas. In the Public Works Department, we are also going to need to redo lots of our old infrastructure. And we had talked about the $3.7 million, $3 million that's going to be coming from uh, the state for the COVID relief money. A lot of cities are going to be using that to revamp their old infrastructure. So it may be time that we take a hard look at some of our old sewer and water pipes that we are constantly having to fix and see if we can use some of this money to take care of those. All right. So yeah, public works, again, it's kind of the, I don't know if you want to use the word at least sexy, but probably the, the <laughs> department that people know the least about. Um, and and so I think that's that's good. And you know, the potholes are obviously very important. I mean, they, they you know, it's one of those kind of like an offensive lineman. You know, you don't really think about them or don't give them any kind of credit or don't really cuss them until they do something wrong or, or something's not done. Uh, and so that's kind of what the you know, that's kind of the uh, offensive lineman of, of the the city is the right. public works. But it, they do do important things. We did buy a water system or increase the size of the water system uh, in the last four years. So again, it is a very big department now. And you know, a lot of times you don't hear about it unless you know water bills go up or there's a you know they you have to have something adjusted or you know your car hits a pothole so you know just and you know it may be time speaking of the high water bills you know people will have a water bill that seems to spike or and they'll want a question answered and say why did this happen and they'll say well nobody's reading my meter and and sometimes it's because they're remote read meters you know we drive by and the the signal goes to the truck but I think we could do a better job at customer service. You know, obviously during the campaign, I'm watching Facebook a lot and people are complaining about the customer service when they call to complain about a water leak. It may be time that we hire someone in that department to just handle customer service complaints because there just seem to be so many of them and they need to have special attention paid to them. And a visit to the house, I have done many of these visits myself and I actually did one Two weeks ago, a lady was talking on Facebook, and I went and read her meter for her and tried to help her. But just some personal attention when that happens. Because when a big water bill comes, literally, the, the lady I was talking to the other day, it auto-drafted and sent her $500 into the negative in her bank account. So it can really have a detrimental effect on people. And I think we don't need to just tell them over the phone, well, it's probably a running toilet. We need to go to the house, look at it, talk to them. If they'll let you go in their house, you can you can sometimes hear a toilet running or right. find a problem and recommend a plumber to them. And I just think sometimes people need to be treated a little softer in the public works department. And I want to work on some customer service issues there. And you're saying while Facebook makes all the money, face-to-face -face is the way to go. 
face-to-face is always the best way to go. When I was in office, I would do my best with my assistant to have her schedule me face-to-face meetings with citizens as often as possible, but not in my office. I like to go to the house. If they have a problem with a ditch, I want to go look at it and talk to them about it. Or if they have sinkholes in their yard, it makes it just makes a big difference when they have a mayor that will talk to them. The last two departments we want to talk about seem to be the two that the residents seem to have had the most issues with the last 10 to 15 years. I'm a business owner in town, so what, what we're about to talk about is, is definitely something that's interesting to me. What is your vision or what do you feel like the planning department? The planning department Department, obviously, is the people that kind of sets the tone from a commercial standpoint. Uh, they, they set the tone for developers that are building homes, those type things. Tell me your vision for the, the planning department, should you be elected mayor for the next four years. So obviously, we're in a strange position right now. Our former planning director, Keith Briley, suddenly passed away. It was very sad. And since we're so close to the election, uh, there are really no planners that want to apply for the job. You know, no, no, no professional wants to apply for a job knowing that in three months there could be a whole new administration. They might lose their job. So they've got uh, Mr. Page in there as an interim planner, which is a good, good move. He's, he's a solid guy. But we do need to do a nationwide search for a planner. Hernando has a reputation as a good planning city. So I think we can get a really good city planner. And then we may need to get two of them. If you remember back in 05 to 07 before the downturn hit, and Hernando was doing so much new building, we had two full-time certified planners because we needed them. And what I'm seeing happen in a lot of instances are that plans get submitted to the planning department, and the certified planner is the only one who can really review those. You can't shove that down to another employee. And so they probably are stacking up, and it may be time that we get a second planner in there so we can speed up the process. Because when a business has bought land, or bought a building they're going to renovate, there are lots of holding costs. They're paying a note on it. There's insurance. There's lost revenue every day. They're not open. So if we can speed that process up, and it may be that two planners are what need to do that. So I think that would help. We also need to be very sure on the front end that we've done a thorough review of the plans. Most people are okay when they walk out of the office with a set of plans and the planning department said, okay, here's what you have to build. When they get really upset is when they're partway through and the building inspector comes in and says, well, now you have to do this. That would upset anybody. So we need to make sure we have a building inspector that is working with the plans on the front end so there are no surprises. Because most people building a building or renovating a building are doing it for the first time. So they expect that they're going to be told on the front end what they have to do and it's going to stick there. And that hasn't been happening. We also need to stay tough on design standards to a degree, because we're known as a city with good design. It makes all of our home property values higher. But where I think we can be softer is just don't look at that big Southern Building Code or International Building Code manual and look for ways to do a gotcha. We need to use common sense. And there are many areas where, yes, the manual says this, but common sense tells you that doesn't really need to be done. You know, I've talked to a man who has a building with a basement And he's not going to use the basement, but they're going to make him sprinkle the basement. Well, sprinkler systems are made to give people time. They're not made to save the building. They're made to give people time to evacuate the building. Give you about an extra eight minutes or something. Well, if nobody's in the basement, why do we need sprinklers in the basement? So sometimes you just need to use some common sense in these things. And I was known when I was in office as being kind of tough on issues like that. And quite frankly, while I've been out of office, I have talked to 
probably 50 or 60 business owners and heard them speak more openly with me. And I'd say, man, why didn't you tell me this when I was in office? So I've listened a lot to business owners and I feel like I know what they need and we just need to soften a little bit on those things. And, and on the backside of that, what I would ask the citizens to do and the business owners, if I'm elected, don't quit talking to me. Still come at me and tell me exactly what you need from me. If you think I'm messing up, come and tell me now. I'm a banker in town, and I think what we hear is a lot from our customers, kind of what you're saying is is that I do think we have good design standards. I think everybody wants Hernando to look nice, uh, wants to be able to drive down the street and, and be proud of what they see. Uh, the obviously they want stuff that's going to you know stand up uh, and not, you know, when a good windstorm comes through, it doesn't fall down. But at the same time, I guess the customer service, as you talked about before, for the public works, that's where the, the public service uh, is not, not, not been there. Uh, and that's not just the last four years. I would say probably since the downturn, maybe coming out of the downturn the last 10 years at least, that it's just, it's been very, very tough to work because there have been a lot of gotchas. Uh, I think uh, Matt would agree with me. There have been a lot of gotchas or I know we said this, but now we need this. And I think if everybody's had on the front end, okay, here's your punch list or here's the things you have to get done. And if you put a check mark and we put it and we agree with your check mark besides this one, you're done. You know, we're not going to find five more things. And I think that's, you know, I I think people want to move to Hernando, but I do think there have been some businesses in the last decade who have, who have decided not to come here because of not maybe the way it looks or maybe, and I don't think they mind paying a little more to make the landscaping look nice or something like that. That if they know on the front end, but to have you know something built and they come in, okay, now you got to put these kind of trees, or now you need to spend this, or now you have to sprinkle, you know, or, or put an irrigation in here and not know it on the front end. You know, as a banker, if they're having to come and to amend their cost to try to give them more money to do that, we're not happy. Uh, I, the people that approve it are not happy. Um, and so I think that's what – if there just needs to be open dialogue and on both sides to say, okay, is this all that you expect? You know, if you have to bring a witness in, bring a witness in. But I, I think that's the main thing is that, you know, pe- people want to move here but have been hesitant. And, you know, new people who have bought businesses here have been frustrated because, you know, this has been going on and, you know, all – they're trying to do is invest money. They want to pay commercial taxes, which we need. How do we make it easy for them? I agree with you totally. And it, we, you know, we had one instance, well, more than one, but when I was in office, the, the Kroger decided to put their supermodel in here, the marketplace, the first one, the whole Mid-South. And when they came to us, we said, well, we want this to go smoothly. So we literally drove to one in Arkansas that they had built. And we came back and wrote them a little list and said, well, here's the things on that building that would not work in Hernando. And so when they submitted their huge stack of plans for that Kroger, as you can imagine, uh, we reviewed them and there were only three changes the planning department had to make to it. So Kroger was very happy because we saved them tons of time, tons of money, and boom, they were out, got out to build it. So I think doing more of that, the talking on the front end, like you're saying, and helping, kind of hand-holding, especially, you know, Kroger knows how to build a building. The average person building the only business building they're going to build in their lifetime does not understand that. I remember the first time I was moving into an office building with my, my restoration business, and I felt so frustrated at the planning department. And it's because I just didn't know. And we've got to remember from a customer service standpoint in the planning department that most of them don't know. And we do need to do a little hand-holding. Well, I mean, it seems to be kind of a, a department of here's what you can do and why. And then when they tell you you can't, they can't give you the why. And that's an issue. Well, that, and that's I, become a major issue. 
And I, I think, and like I say, I've listened a lot over sure. the last four years, and I think we need to be looking for a reason to say yes instead of a reason to say no. Right. You know, Which we, in we bureaucracy the, is tough to do. Well, we need the commercial taxes. <laughs> yes, and everybody absolutely. wants all these things, yeah. and they don't realize, you know, if you put a subdivision in, you're costing the city money. The money that the city is not making money off a of subdivision. Now, subdivisions are great. Uh, subdivisions need to be well planned. But, you know, just because, okay, another thousand people moved in here, and now we have a thousand more, you know, taxpayers, you know, paying for our, our, overlays or paying for new infrastructure no it, it, it actually cost money and that the commercial businesses and the, and the industrial businesses are what pay the taxes you're absolutely right and, and we we kind of planned for that years ago if you look at the map of fernando up at the top it kind of goes out to the left and the right and everybody's like why why did you do that well the reason is we grabbed the two-lane 69 exit and we grabbed what would be the mackingville exit and the Getwell exit on 269 the reason was those are places where you usually get businesses, businesses that generate sales tax. And we just got the exits. We didn't want to get all the houses around them because of what you said. They really don't pay for themselves. Right. And that brings us to our last department. Uh, the last department, probably you know, one of the most contentious. Uh, I think that people, or if not contentious, the one that is brought up uh, the most, uh, whether it be on Facebook, whether it be at gatherings, uh, supper clubs, you know, ball fields, that sort of thing. And of course, it's the parks department. So the parks department, of course, every city has one. Every city needs one. Uh, it is the lifeblood, which brings families to cities and also Hernando. But we know that there's been a lot of disappointment, uh, I would say, in some people's eyes and other people's eyes. They think it's um, a lack of the city caring about it. Maybe some people say, well, you know, um, you know, we have such good volunteers. You know, how do we help these volunteers? So I think there's been a lot of, of issues. And again, this has been going on again. I would say like the planning department for about a decade that people have been, you know, just upset uh, just with, you know, we have lost people to other cities. Now, other cities have done a good job of doing uh, ball fields, Senatobia, South Haven, you know, uh, Olive Branch has added, uh, you know, a lot of new soccer fields to go along with their, with their city park. So I think that, you know, other cities, you know, have a plan. And I guess, you know, what would be, you know, we, we've fallen a little behind on the parks. I think everybody would agree with that. So what is your plan for the next four years, your vision for the next four years for the parks department, uh, if you're elected and maybe not necessarily catch up, but, uh, you know, maybe have a, a fresh, a fresh agenda or a fresh vision, uh, for the park system. So I want to give a little background on the parks department first. When I took office in 2005, there was not a parks department run by the city. There had never been one. There was a volunteer committee called the parks and rec advisory committee. If I remember right. And they just kind of told the board what they thought we should do with parks. And generally, the board didn't have any money and didn't do anything. So we literally had a couple of parks, and the public works people mowed the grass. That's all we had. So we started a parks department in 05, hired the first director in early 06. And since then, well, we built a lot of parks. We built Lee's Summit Park. Uh, we got the track, the old high school football track that's now named Kirkendall Park. We got that one done. That was pretty interesting. We um, got it under, right after I got elected, but before I took office, I was still on the board, and I asked Mr. Kirkendall if he would give us that track. And he said, well, I think you're crazy, but sure, I want to unload it. You know, we keep it locked up, and people are breaking into it. And so while I was still on the board before I took office, we took receipt of that park. And we had volunteers go down there and fix it up, and we were playing youth football there in September. So that was a win. It was wonderful to see all those kids who had been playing in the outfield of the baseball fields before that. Uh, we we built the Gale Center, which gave us a place to have our senior programs. 
we did a pocket park on East Parkway. We got Renaissance Park donated to us and built a dog park and the skate park there. And there's now trails in there. And it's a big place we can expand to. We got basketball going. Uh, we were able to use some sewer money to clear out the lagoon area up north and build the first ever soccer fields, which obviously still need more work. So all of those things got done, but they all need more. So we need to continue putting money into those. And, and the big elephant in the room is the baseball. At some point near the end of my term, um, Danny Phillips retired and decided he wasn't going to run the Civic Center ball fields anymore. So the three clubs that own it decided to lease it to the city for a dollar a year. And the city took over running the baseball, softball, and t-ball programs. The problem with that is the law and common sense tell us that we can't spend capital money, taxpayers' money, on property we don't own. We can maintain it, but we cannot build a whole new baseball field. We can't build new backstops. We just can't do it. So we've been trucking along with the volunteers, the friends of baseball, raising money, putting it at the community foundation, and they use some of that money to do the things the city can't do. It's just not going to work long term. The kids playing ball need to have adequate facilities, facilities like the people in Hernando expect. So I feel like we need to go to those clubs one more time and say, will you give us these fields or sell them, whatever the case may be. Just try one last time to get that done. And if that can't happen, we need to move to our own property or buy some property so that we can build our own baseball fields and get the quality that the parents need. And we're not talking about building Snowden. We know that's not what we're going to do in Hernando. That already exists. But we need something decent for our kids to play ball on. So we're going to have to work on that. And, and I've heard y'all talk as one of your goals for the year was to get pennies for the park passed. And really and truly, that's the only way to do capital improvements like that. There is not enough general fund money to shift to the parks department to build new fields. The only way we're going to get new stuff built is with something like a pennies for the parks. So working with the citizen groups who want to see that done and working with that new board of aldermen we're talking about, you know, we, we don't know who's going to be elected, but there's a good chance that a good sized group of those aldermen are going to have kids that are in the ball programs and we just need to work with them. They're going to have the agenda from the people. We've all heard, heard what's going on. And I feel like we can just, work together to make them better it's just time to get it all done well chip i'll change the narrative on there a little bit i know people that may be elected to the board that left the hernando rec department because of those fields you're absolutely right you see what i'm saying so that's that's like we talked about the elephant in the room that's that's the truth i mean they they found better options and better fields and better stuff somewhere else and that's why they left people in my own family have left those fields well that fast forwards us a little bit talking about whether it's buying baseball fields or or, or whatever it, it allows us to kind of transition to this we mentioned on our show yesterday uh so please go listen to that show if you haven't heard it please listen to the show uh, about the city of fernando will be getting 3.7 million dollars from the america recovery act uh we'll be getting the money sometime starting in uh maybe late may so really around the start of the new board which takes over july 1st uh, the new board will, will be taking over july 1st and this money has to be spent by 2024 since all the money will have to be spent in, in the, basically the term of this board what would maybe be two or three things that you can pinpoint that you'd like to see done with this money so i'm still unclear on all the strings that are attached i know there aren't a lot but I've listened to Billy Hughes, the mayor of Gulfport, who is currently the president of the Mississippi Municipal League. So I listened to him talk about it for a bit. And he said that they are not allowing um, street resurfacing, 
with that money. Uh, he said he's going to try to work with some of our people in Washington to get that changed. I don't know if that'll work, but so right now s- streets are off the table. Having said that, we talked a little bit earlier about sewer and water repairs. Those type of things are allowed. And there's one other thing we haven't talked about today that there are a huge group of citizens that want to see happen, which is building an animal shelter. I don't know if that money could be used for that, but we certainly need to take a look at it. Uh, the animal shelter issue is a big talking point on the campaign trail. The citizens are asking about it. And when you're knocking on doors, you understand it. When you're knocking on those doors, fully 70% of the houses have a dog barking on the other side of that door when you knock. The people in Hernando care about the animals. They want them treated properly when they're picked up from the street. So we just need to get this done. We worked on it with some bond money years ago. And a couple of the aldermen said, well, let's get 275000 out of this bond issue to get started. And about that time is when I lost the election and left. And so I know people have been donating money. They've had plans drawn. But we still, four years later, don't have an animal shelter. I just feel like it's time to get the animal shelter done. And I think most of the aldermen who will be seated will be saying the same thing because they're hearing it when you knock on the doors. I don't know if we can use some of that money on it or not. This is one-time money, so we need to spend it on one-time things. You know, we don't need to do payroll with it and give a pay raise that we might might not could afford next year. Of course, our people always deserve a pay raise. Sure. We can never pay our people at work enough. And I know the aldermen, I think, just gave a pay raise they to, did. The, to they them. Did. So that's always good. And we, we need to do more than just cost of living for these people every year. So And when I do budgets, I always try to put a pay raise in first and then back into the budget from there. Because they work so hard and get so little pay. And we just can't keep expecting that out of them and expecting good service if you don't pay your people right. So those are just some of the things that I think we could do. Animal shelter, water, sewer improvements. And $3.7 million sounds like a lot of money. But when you start laying new sewer pipe or water pipe or an animal shelter that might cost $800,000, it will go away pretty quickly. Could that allow you to buy ballparks? Could you allow it to you know, resurface the uh, or put in a, an asphalt surface at the soccer fields? I mean, there are different improvements on the park side. Or we don't know what the restrictions are, but you know, the, I think the only way if you were talking about reducing cost was, you know, I, don't, I can't imagine they would use it, allow you to use it to pay down debt. You know, because that really doesn't stimulate the economy. But you know, if you were allowed to literally be able to pay down debt, could you could you service some debt, pay off some debt, then to be able to hire a couple more? Because now you're replacing uh, a monthly bill with another monthly bill. You know, in some sort of form or fashion. But I don't know. Again, we're still waiting to see. But I, mean, I don't know if your thoughts are on that. Well, those are great suggestions, and my thoughts on that are that I want to do something that we didn't do much of when I was in office the last time. I want to do public meetings that are not just the board meetings. The board meetings have an agenda, and there's business that has to happen. I want to be holding public meetings and, and on a topic, or sometimes just not on any topic, where the citizens just feel flexible to come and just ask questions, say what they want, what they think. But obviously, when we get this 3.7, I don't think it should be just the alderman and the board deciding. I think we should hold some public meetings that are just on that topic and listen and just have somebody take notes and see what rises to the top of the things that people want more than anything. You know, Chip, I do know of a local podcast that could host those meetings for a nominal <laughs> fee. <laughs> if anyone's, if we'll anyone's it's a public service. Absolutely. We'll it's public a public service, service thing yeah. for, uh, you know, maybe a six-figure annual salary. Well, Chip, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to do this uh, for this particular interview for sure. Just to end on or begin to wrap up and end on a positive note because, again, you're a citizen of Hernando. You want Hernando to thrive. You want Hernando to, you know, be a place that you call home for years. Tell me something you like 
about Tom Ferguson? Well, that's not very hard to do. In the past, Tom's been on my front porch with me before, and he invited me out to Homer Skelton's airfield one day, and I, I think we were talking about tanks or something. I'm not sure what right. – I can't remember the topic, but he gave me a tour of that, and I spent a couple hours with him out there at the airfield. And uh, he and I worked together on the old cemetery. He came to me years ago and said, hey – my family needs to be buried here. And so we figured out at that moment that we owned the cemetery. Didn't even know it at that point. We had to tear down a fence and get a man to quit running his cows near there. But I, I worked around Tom and with him. I volunteered with him when he was doing his plays out there to raise money for the cemetery. And I feel like we've we've had a partnership over the years on some things. And he's just a nice guy. And, and after this is over, hopefully he and I can sit on a porch somewhere again. I really do appreciate that. I think that's, you know, Matt, was a great idea. It was your idea to kind of ask that question at the end. And I think it's good because, again, we are – we do live in a small town. You will be, you know, hopefully in the future, no matter what happens at some point, eating with Tom again uh, on on your porch, uh, you know, visiting with each other because, you know, we're all citizens here. We, we, well, the census will come out this year, but we're expecting around 20,000 people is what it's going to come back. And that's, you know, that seems like, okay, well, you know, it was only 3,000 back in 1995 or whatever, and that's great. But – you know, that's not a very big town. And, you know, DeSoto County itself is kind of like a, a small community, uh, but especially Hernando. And so I think that, you know, just being civil, uh, we've got six days left uh, to the election from the, the, the tape or from the uh, posting of this show. There's only six days left. Let's keep it civil. Again, no matter what happens, no matter if, you know, whoever, if it's uh, Chip, if you win, if Tom wins, you know, your supporters, I hope would then, you know, get on board with whoever is the mayor uh, and just, and whoever the new board is and just support Hernando going forward because just such a great place to live. We're very lucky to that you know god our lot our lot in life his will is for us to be here and so you know it's ours especially for this next four years which are going to be a very important four years for the city you know just to kind of go through it together so uh, i do appreciate you saying that uh finally and what we give to all the candidates to do is to be able to kind of wrap up uh we've called it an elevator speech that's not really we'll give you a couple minutes just to kind of you know tell us you know, summarize your platform and then you know include in your summary uh, and i think i'm sure that you will but include in your summary or, or of what your platform is why the voters should elect you next mayor for the next four years? Probably first and foremost, uh, Christy and I are going to live here for the rest of our lives. We love this town. Uh, we both have servant hearts, and I love serving the people of Fernando. I did it for 12 years, and now that I've been gone for four years, I realize how much I miss that. Uh, I have the experience. I think it's important to note that in 12 years, we governed effectively. And, you know, people are always suing cities. We get lots of lawsuits. In 12 years that I was in office, the city of Fernando never lost a lawsuit. And we did that because we try to do things legally and proper and right. I think we need to get the animal shelter built no matter what. We need to continue improving our police department. We need to fully staff that police department with the number of officers they need. We need to upgrade our ball fields and our parks and recs. And we just need to keep moving forward. Hernando is a, as you said earlier, it's a company. We're a large company with over a $20 million a year budget. We have 180 employees, and it takes pretty strong leadership to run a company like that. Uh, I have the background as a Navy veteran. I led my crew on the submarine in under dire situations. Uh, I led a business from a very small business to becoming the franchisee of the year for the entire company in North America. And I think I have a good record with the city of Hernando for leading us through our highest 12-year growth period ever and keeping it under control. So if the people would elect me, I'm willing to serve again, ready to be here, and I'm going to be living here with you for the rest of my life.
Well, Chip, we really appreciate you coming in. And again, we joked off air a bit about there not being podcast uh, when you ran four years ago. We appreciate you believing in us and coming on to uh, share your vision with us and sit down with us now with you know almost an hour sitting down and visiting with you about your candidacy for the mayor of Fernando. We really do appreciate your time and coming in and, and, and sharing that with us. And we wish you luck uh, next Tuesday, April 6th. I appreciate that. And I've been doing a lot of listening and listening to the people more than I'm talking. And I'm looking forward to putting the people's agenda back in the mayor's office. We want to thank Chip Johnson for coming in uh, yesterday morning, giving up his time to come down and sit down with the UTW podcast uh, and talk about you know his vision for the next four years if he were to be elected and, and all the things that he would like to see for each department, uh, how he would like to see the money spent that Hernando has received and, and all the different topics. You'll hear uh, in just a few minutes the same questions asked uh, in, in very similar form to Mayor Tom Ferguson. So again, thank you for Chip for, for wanting to run again. Thank you for you know just the passion he has for the city and for coming down and sit down with us. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, and your Jennifer at 662-429-5213. Again, 662-429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Are you searching for someone to help you with your lawn this spring and summer? Now's the time to reach out to Richard Williams with Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. I continue to tell UTW podcast listeners, now's the time to reach out to Richard for winter cleanup, tree trimming, mulching, lawn care, anything related to your outdoor home needs, Richard and his team can help. Give him a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. Again, 662-892-8419 or visit them on their website at Green King spray.com they're my lawn care they should be your lawn care and remember if you want it green call the king at this time we're going to go to the current mayor of fernando mr tom ferguson mr tom ferguson has been the mayor since 2017 and he is vying for his second term so we will go to his interview now we want to welcome mayor tom ferguson this afternoon to the utw podcast welcome mayor ferguson glad to be here thanks for having me matt and derek what we've done for every candidate up to this point is tell us, and I know that you've been on this on our show before last fall, but we want to kind of remind everybody, plus let those that have not heard your show uh, from back in November, kind of, you know, what did you do before becoming mayor? Well, fortunately, I grew up in this town, attended Hernando Schools, graduated Hernando High School, continued on to Northwest Community College, and continued my educational background to the Mississippi State 
University where I graduated in a degree of agriculture economics. And I came home and opened my own small business, crop dusting service for the local farmers. We were predominantly agriculture community at that time. And as my career advanced and educational statuses continued on, I ended up at the airlines and I was an instructor at the airlines in the training department eventually before I decided to come back home and take on the chance of being a mayor. What was the last year you worked as an instructor for the airlines? Uh, four years ago. About four years. Yeah, you literally yeah. were done and then came to be mayor. Correct. I uh, <laughs> took a month of vacation to run the campaign, <laughs> and right. I successfully run the, won the race of mayor of her great city of Hernando. Yeah, told the airlines, hey, I may be back soon. I may not be, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to take a leave. That's that's a neat, uh, neat story. Well, we talked a little bit uh, off air. It's definitely a, an interesting story that the, the same two candidates that, that ran in 2016 are running again. That's a very um, – Neat, probably pretty rare situation. Yes, sir. So, and that, and that was in 2017 election? 2017, yes. 2017. Why do you feel like you won the 2017 election for mayor of Hernando? Well, I think uh, citizens bought into my vision. I've always had a trend of uh, working, uh, volunteering in the city of Hernando since I was a child. And I think people saw my hard work, my dedication on how to make things happen. And we sold that idea to the candidates, and I've proven that since I've been in office been in office now four years and so you are running for re-election and we do know that the mayor is kind of the ceo of the city um that's kind of what you know you are a uh, it's a weak mayor strong board type of government uh, but the weak mayor not being obviously you can't get anything done but a weak mayor as in you have to have you know the board's approval to have anything approved that you cannot hire or fire anybody on your own and so what are your thoughts you know now that we know with this election we're going to have a minimum of five new board members. No matter what happens, we'll have five new board members. What are your thoughts on, on having those fresh faces come in uh, if you were to be elected mayor again and having to work with that new board? I feel it's very exciting. We'll have a younger age group, average age of board members, which I think would be a plus of this community. They are of the majority of this community at age group. Uh, they're well-educated. I think they will really do their homework, look into things, and we can work together on move progress forward. As Derek mentioned, like Derek just said, weak mayor, strong board, that's a type of government. That's not a compliment or a, anything like that. Right. That's just a, a, a style of government. What has been your experience there in the last four years, you know, working closely with aldermen and having to pursue things? Again, you, you're the CEO. You can kind of give, um, a, nah, I won't say opinions, but you can give recommendations. You can uh, talk to the board about things like that. But when it's all said and done, four to three, five to two type situations with the aldermen, what do you feel like that's been? How has that gone for you in the last four years, you feel like? It's been a challenge. There has been a, a four to three vote many a times. Working on the budgets, working to get make progress. Um, one of the greatest challenges we had was the redistricting. And some people don't really understand the redistricting. What that is is to keep each ward in the population of 10% of the other ward. By state law in the United States Constitution, that's one man, one vote. And the redistricting, like I said, keeping it within 10% by state law should have been done six months after the 2010 census. It was brought up in 2013. It was brought up again prior to 2017. And they never could get a majority to agree that this needed to be done. 
we had some pretty good debates over it and all that, but we finally got it done. And that's it's for the citizens. It's not for the board. That's what the redistricting is all about and keeping everybody one man, one vote within the same population. Right. Should you be elected? Is that something you would like to kind of do much earlier than, than it has been in the past? I would like to follow the state statute and have it in place six months after we get to census. We will hire a subcontractor to do it like we did this last time, an outsourcing person. We will not do it in-house. The last redistricting, I believe, was in 2008 or nine, and that was done in-house of the city of Hernando. And we elected to use a subcontractor, a contract out with the Central Mississippi Planning and Development to achieve it this time. Interesting. So the mayor has several different departments that report to him. Uh, we talked on our show that was aired yesterday. We kind of broke down the different departments that we were going to talk about. Uh, police department, fire department, public works, planning department, and parks department. So let's start with the police department. If you're elected mayor in you know the upcoming election, again, Tuesday, April 6th, definitely uh, just right around the corner. If you're elected as mayor, what are your visions for the police department of Hernando? Well, in the past, since 2017, there budget from 2017 to 2021 their budget has increased a little over 1.5 million dollars we all believe in public safety and we've done a good job there we just can't give everything everybody needs at one time but we got to plan and build for the future our fire and ambulance uh their budget um, has increased by 1.1 million we added additional ambulance and all that we're excited to increase our public service departments with additional funding over the past four years and we want to continue on all right so you kind of mentioned you talked about police uh, you're adding to the police department uh so the fire department is that I mean, your vision also is to add something there for the next four years so well i mean with- depending on their needs the fire department right now we got a new um, fire chief and he's working on a three-year plan and a five-year plan where do we need to be in the future as our growth continues a lot of this growth is also outside the city limits but where will our next fire station go? How will our next fire station be equipped? You know, depending on whether it's commercial, residential, or things like that. So we're working on a plan. It may not be a perfect plan, but at least it's given us a goal, something we can work toward. And your experience with the new fire chief has been a good one so far? Oh, absolutely. I've enjoyed working with him. Uh, it's just been a little hectic here lately. We've had two house fires in the last two weeks with lightning strikes, and one in Bridgetown, which is pretty odd. We haven't seen that. We're very fortunate. And so it says the Hernando Fire Department service Bridgetown? Or, or no, no, Bridgetown? but Bridgetown had one right, also. Right, right. House Fire and their Bridgetown Volunteer Fire Department made there. And the additional ambulance, too, you know, that we added to the fire department. That's under there. That was one of our best accomplishments when I first got in office. So now the city of Hernando has two full-time ambulances. Do those, do those ambulances have to service a portion of the county? Is that still the situation? One is dedicated to Hernando only because we purchase it with only our funds. We can say whether it goes outside the city limits or not. We do have a mutual aid agreement with the county, and we do run back and forth. They run into us. We run it in. We're always working together. Right. And we hope we don't ever have to make get that strap where we won't be able to send our ambulance somewhere where it needs to be gotcha so let's turn our attention now to the public works department talked about the police department talked about the fire department the public works department uh public works is going to be water uh infrastructure um paving sewer that type stuff correct correct tell us your vision for the public works department should you be elected mayor for the next four years well we made great progress with public works in the last four years we've relocated them to a new building on memphis street they had outgrown theirs 
Also, with the Public Works Department, not only moving them, we bought North Mississippi Utilities, the water district out of Bill Robertson. That has been a great asset to the community, having that certified water district. There in this transition and noticing the city maps, we didn't have really good detailed maps. So what maps we have, we've hired a company and we've been working closely with them. We have scanned the maps that we have in transparent on top of a GIS map. We have bought our GIS mapping tools. So now when they have a water break or something like that, they will take these tools out there and get... They will go out there and measure it, and they'll note what size pipe it is, how deep it is under the ground, exactly where it is within a half an inch. Uh, They're very excited to have this equipment, and we're moving forward with it. And it's it's a pretty nice map that they have built. We don't have it 100% complete, but also where this will save the city a lot of money, the 811 calls that we get to locate when you dig, we have to pay $2 for every one of them. If we have these sewer lines storm drains, and water lines all mapped to this GPS technology, we can send that to 811. And if no one is digging within a foot of it, we don't have to go out there and mark it. So we don't get that $2 charge. Right now, with the boring going on in the city, we have exceeded our line item for the, uh, the 811 calls. But we're really excited about it. They're excited. We've gotten some new equipment for them. And taking on the new water system has been a challenge. And we're looking at upgrades to it here pretty soon. So the uh, new equipment allows us to measure better and dig less. Absolutely. That's the goal. Yes. That's the goal. Uh, Kind of a hot topic lately. Uh, I know part of the public works department is going to be paving, potholes, that type stuff. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. My first year in office, we hired a professional engineer company to evaluate all our streets. Uh, We got about 150 miles of streets in the city limits of Hernando. And... We came up with a plan to bring them up to speed, and each year you always you'll fall on a maintenance plan. We needed like one point two, one point four million dollars every year for about four years, four to five years, and then we could have been on a maintenance plan for about six to eight hundred thousand a year. I'm hoping with this new board and all that, they'll really take this professional plan and let's adopt it. And now this is taken out of our hair a lot. Instead of this person arguing for this street to get paved, this person wanting that street paved. We got a plan. We will know when we're getting to your road. But each year the roads will change, even after this snow. If we wouldn't have this snow, I could say we probably could have followed this plan. But after this snow and this deterioration of our roads, I think we need to reevaluate them again right quick, adopt this plan. And if you call about your road being When's it going to be repaired? We would be able to look at this plan and say, we're scheduling you for next year. At least you'll have a good, definite answer. So I'd love to see that with the roads. The last two departments, of course, are two that the residents seem to have had issues with. Uh, Over the last 10 to 15 years, I guess we've, you know, personally have heard more comments about these two departments, professionally have heard more comments about these two departments. And so, um, of course, we'll start with uh, the planning department uh, for the last two. So the planning department... What is your vision for that department for the next four years? My planning is, you know, we've had a, a tragedy in our office, and that's slowed us down a little bit. Keith Rowley was a very good planner. He had us going in the right direction. Uh, we're in the middle of adopting a comprehensive plan, a new one for the city, which we've all, a lot of people have participated in, and we've got to visit with. Uh, hopefully, after the election, we can really focus on getting us a new planning director. 
and I want to see a very positive perception in our planning department. It has been negative, and we haven't totally overcome yet, but we've made some progress. I mean, I am 100% for small businesses. My grandfather had a small business here. My father had one, and I had one myself. It's very important to the community. I'd like to adopt the 2018 building codes. Uh, A lot of people always think things get stricter when you adopt a newer code. We found out during the Toyota construction in 18 versus 12 where we're at now, there's less emissions because your cars are so much more efficient. If we'd had 18, we could have saved them a little money. So it's working on things like that. But the building codes and your fire rating means a lot to a city also. Do you have you found uh, your time in office? Um, and I own a couple of different businesses. I've had to deal with the planning department a, a, a decent amount. It seems to be a department of no versus a department of yes. Have you had any experience necessarily with that? I have, and I've been digging through the building codes myself. Okay, and I did find one scenario that we could work through. Um, there was a pergolo built, and the fire load underneath it. There wasn't one, but you know, by the code, it has to be fire. Um, fireproof. Well, during my studies and all that, I found that there are some fire retardant paints that you could actually paint it with this fire retardant paint and meet that criteria. So it's not always what you're wanting to do. There's other ways you can accomplish this task. So we have to think outside the box. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of study and I've found other ways to come up with things. And even if it was painted, there was also another, like a varnish, a fire retardant varnish you could put on it, and it meets the criteria. So little things like that. Some contractors are very familiar with it and some aren't. But uh, my goal is to work together. Let's come up with a satisfactory solution. Right. We talked about our police. We talked about the fire department. We talked about the public works. We talked about the planning department. And we're going to come up with another P, the parks department. Uh, Derek and I have kids that are roughly Parks Department age. Uh, like Derek said a moment ago, last 10 or 15 years, the Parks Department has been a, a topic here in Hernando. It's been a topic on Facebook and Sunday school class and so forth. What are your plans or what vision for the Parks Department over the next four years should you be elected mayor? There's a lot we can do. And, yes, with this new board and younger people, I think we can come up with a really good solution. But with my agriculture background, what I've really noticed with our baseball fields at the Civic Center, you know, we've done work on the fields before. Well, we've never fixed a drainage issue. Drainage issue has to be fixed first. So that's what we've done. We've got that $94,000 loan that we made, and we're just doing drainage improvements. So now our fields will improve much better there. We just opened the bids for the EWP, Emergency Watershed Program. If you've noticed Kirkendall Field down there, the walking track, how water stands there and all that. Under this program, we're going to clean the east side of that ditch and the south side of that ditch up and line it with white rock. That's a million-dollar contract that we got and we only have to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars of it so i'm really excited about that we need to explore pities for the parks again exactly what we're going to do i don't know but we just completed a comprehensive plan that we got a hundred thousand dollars from cindy hyde smith's office to help us do this study but i'd love to involve the aldermen and the public and let's come to some kind of solution to what do we actually need and what can we afford yeah i, I actually saw a guy fishing the other day inside the track so <laughs> <laughs> no I, I use that track i won't say 
often. I use it enough to, you know, every time it rains, I know, I mean, you have to stay on the inside track or you're going to get wet because you're right, it does hold water. I think that's a, a good thing, you know, trying to get that repaired. And depending for the parks, I mean, I, you know, we mentioned that uh, at the first of the year. I think that's something that the city needs. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, with the new board on there and whoever, you know, if it's you being elected mayor since you said it, then I think that's something we really need to push for because that's, uh, you know, that's one of the things that's going to uh, help us to in, improve the city. And, and Derek, we live at Hernandez, is the kind of town that we talk a lot about our, our wants, our wants, our wants, but won't really learn how do we pay for our needs. And that's uh, definitely part, putting from the park is a, a project that, that, fell short years ago uh, that, that that I'm glad to hear you say might get revisited. Uh, definitely. Yes, you need a plan. As the mayor and the board of aldermen, we need to have a plan to sell to the people so they will vote on this. Uh, the legislator ha- would have to pass it first, and they'll come back to the residents for um, a vote. But we need to sell it. But we all need to be involved, too. It doesn't just need to be us or me. It's all of us involved in this. Is this something we want? Is this good for the community? Is this good for everyone? And I think it would be. Again, that takes care of the departments. We know there's a couple other departments that the city has, but those are the ones that you know most people have comments on or familiar with and, and have had either complaints. Uh, and you know, there's also been some good things that have come out of those departments uh, in the last few years, especially on the, on the safety and, and, and the uh, public works side some, uh, with the water, uh, with McInville Road extended and all that kind of things taking place. Um, as we mentioned on our show uh, yesterday, uh, the city of Hernando will be getting uh, $3.7 million, according to the state of Mississippi, from the America Recovery Act. And we'll be getting the money starting sometime around the start of the new board. So they say the end of May, but of course we know that probably is going to be pushed off a month or so. So sometime around July 1st, we should have this money in place. They, it's three years to spend it right now. We don't know you know, what the guidelines are, what we can and cannot spend it for. We, we assume there are going to be some type of, uh, you know, guardrails or something. But, uh, again, they, it will be uh, – they have mentioned that it will be, you know, be able to use for more things than the last one was. Uh, and that also that, um, you know, and it's going to give you a longer timeline to spend it of three years. So knowing that this money is coming and it would have to be spent during the term of the next board, what would be two or three projects that you would like to see that money spent on? Wow, $3.7 million. That would be quite exciting to our – city there's a quite a few things that we need for that and i would say you know like i said each board member has a vision or has campaigned on a vision and i've campaigned on a vision we all have i would like for us to create a committee and let's work together what are the main focuses that really needs i mean i think everybody's gonna need a little part of this but who needs the most i don't know but roads are one of our hot topics right now we've gotten behind on we need to step up to it these big capital improvements parks and let's include animal shelter too that's a need but i mean that's that would be very exciting and depending on the restrictions but that would be really great i can see capital improvements to all departments and where the bulk goes to and that's we'll work together as a group as a team i mean we got to be a team here right so, Mr. Mayor, I, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here, and, and I did the same thing this morning. Derek and I try and pride ourselves on being a positive show, give facts, but when it's all said and done, we thank every candidate that sits in your, in your chair right now. We thank you guys for putting yourself out there. Thank you for having a vision for our city. Thank you for, for taking the chances, whether it's running for alderman, whether it's running for the mayor, uh, whatever it is. It's not a, for lack of a better word, hired position. So c- thank you for putting yourself out there. We definitely appreciate that. But my question's fairly simple before we begin to wrap up. Tell me something you like about Chip Johnson. You know, I, I really don't know Mr. Johnson that well, and I haven't communicated with him very much in the last four years, but he seems to be a pretty nice guy. 
All right, um, so we've given all the candidates um, up to this point, so every position. So this is kind of the part of the interview where we're going to let you kind of give your platform, just kind of go through kind of you know, when you're going door to door, talking to people, what are you telling them uh, in kind of a summary form? You know, what are your, we call it an elevator speech, but it's longer than that, you know, a two or three minute summary uh, of what you want to see for your vision if you're elected for the next four years. So please include, though, in the summary, so when you're giving your summary, why you are the best candidate to lead Hernando forward for the next four years. Well, usually I introduce myself to the candidate. I'm Tom Ferguson, seeking re-election for mayor of the city of Hernando. And I visit with him a little bit about a little progress we made, you know, with the Mackinville Road, Linear Park, things of that nature. And I asked them their concerns. What do you see? I mean, that's how I learned what's going on in the city. I mean, you you hear a lot from a group that's in the ball fields, but you usually don't hear about just maybe a retired couple over here that you visit with. Their concerns are so much different than others. And I'd like to learn and see what everybody's concerned about. Yes, I'd like to be mayor again of the city of Hernando for four years. I've established pretty good contacts with people throughout the state. And one of the biggest things I want to work on is our infrastructure as far as utilities and roads. We need to have a road plan. We don't have to have it totally engineered, but we have to have a plan. And if we've got this plan sitting on the shelf, then you never know what's going to come out of Washington. You have the build program. They have um, build grants, things like that. So that's how the county got Holly Springs Road out here as a build grant. We just have to have, to have it on the shelf and be ready to apply when something like that happens. We need major improvement to our roads, and it's difficult for us just as a city to do that. Uh, your commerce in 55, that's an MDOT project. Can we be involved? I've been looking at that. Possibly so. A bill grant may work for you. We're not 100% sure because that's MDOTs. But it, it is in the plan of the widening of the interstate coming south. I don't know when that would take place. I mean, it's years down the road. But it is a hot topic with them. But I, traffic is one of my biggest concerns, and I'm just fortunate the schools, we have a great school system, and that creates a lot of traffic, but that's a good thing. We, traffic's not always a bad thing, and I would just ask people to be patient. We are trying to come up with ideas and try to come up with affordable ways to resolve some of these issues with traffic. But our water and sewer, we didn't talk about sewer very much on our public works, but that's their department, too. We have plenty of lift stations that they have to take care of, and that's where your heavy complaints come in is when the sewer doesn't work. Right, right, sure. <laughs> I can imagine. But we're upgrading some of those systems. We're looking at everything, and I'm pretty excited, and I really learned a lot, and I want to continue on. Well, Mr. Mayor, we want to thank you for coming in and visiting with us here at the UTW Podcast as we continue to grow. Uh, like I said, thank you for putting yourself out there and coming and, and visiting with us and sh- sharing your vision for the next four years. Uh, we want to wish you luck on Tuesday, April 6th. Good luck next week. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. We want to thank Mayor Ferguson again for coming in and sitting down, again, taking his time, wanting to run again, wanting to be of service to the community and to his city, and for both gentlemen, just for you know the passion that they have, the different visions that they have. Now, again, they might not agree on everything. Of course, their, their supporters would probably disagree on several things, but we've got you know less than a week now. We've got six days till the election. Let's remember to just keep the negative rhetoric down, and let's have a positive campaign going into the election uh, next week. You've heard what each candidate has to say. You can also 
I'm sure reach out to them. They may still be coming by your door this weekend or, or later on this week. Uh, just give them time. Ask them the questions that you want to ask. But we do hope that this podcast has educated you in, in some form or fashion. This has helped to finalize or to even make your decision for the election next week. As we said, Derek, these two gentlemen have been the mayors of Hernando for the last 16 years. Something else that's been a part of Hernando for multiple years, DeSoto Family Dental Care possesses over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and now Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference or give them a call at 662-429-5239. That's 662-429-5239 for the DFDC difference. North Point will be holding their final open house opportunity on Sunday, April 11th at 2 p.m. Have you been waiting for the right time to attend? Don't miss the final open house opportunity to preview the point. To register your attendance on April 11th, call Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5137. Again, 662-349-5137. Come see why families in three states, 28 cities, and 41 zip codes have made North Point DeSoto County's largest and most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school. Don't delay. Register today. That number again is 662-349-5127. They can't wait to meet you and have you join their North Point family. Is planning your summer getaway becoming too much of a hassle? If so, reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher at Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out to them today to plan your magical getaway. I want to say a final thank you again to Chip Johnson and Tom Ferguson for coming in, giving them of their time to the UTW podcast to sit down, answer questions, have a good interview and opportunity to share their vision with the residents of Hernando. If you enjoy our special show and also our Tuesday and Friday normal shows, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, on Twitter at UTW Pod. Wherever you hear our voices now, whatever podcast format that you use, please subscribe to the UTW Podcast and leave us a five-star review. It helps us to continue to grow on that format. We also ask that you share our show, Facebook, Hernando Happenings, anywhere you can think of to share our show with friends, people you go to church with, family. Help us shine a light on the positive things that are going on in Hernando. Help us share the campaigns, share the different ideas that the alderman candidates are coming up with or the alderman large candidates or the mayor candidates. And just help us continue to grow here at the UTW Podcast as we enjoy being a part of the Hernando community. Well, Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.
chopped off the prettiest little girl 